Hello and welcome to The Dirt in association with Beer 52. This is the podcast that roots for gardeners of all abilities. Keep listening as later in the show we'll be giving you details on how you can get your hands on eight craft beers for free. I'm Blake, Deputy Editor of Grow Your Own magazine and I'm taking the reins for the first time today. And as Laura is on annual leave this week I'll be standing in for her. I'm Rose, Grow Your Own's editorial assistant and I'm super excited to be here. We'll have our usual chit chat later about topical gardening news and seasonal jobs to get done this week. But before that, we're joined by Suffolk grower Joe Harrison. Hi Joe, how are you and where are you joining us from today? Hi, uh, thanks for having me. Um, I am joining you from uh, my bedroom slash office at the moment. <laughs> it's a sunny day out there, isn't it? I don't know whether it is over the border into Suffolk, but I'm in Essex. So it's, it's not it's really, sunny. not really. Oh, no. but, well, it's, it's threatened earlier. The sun threatens to come out behind the clouds. But um, but yeah, it's uh, we're getting there. I think we may have a sunny day in July at some point in Suffolk. <laughs> and I was reading on your website how, because you're based in Lowestoft, you're allotment sites like one of the most easternly points in the whole of the UK which is interesting and a good little fun fact yeah I do you know what I you know we've had the allotment for about four years now and it was only sort of in recent sort of couple of years that I thought to myself god this really is the, the you know the most easterly point so um so yeah it was just something that kind of, sort of dawned on me after a few years so uh but yeah it's uh it's quite an accolade does that change anything about how you grow like do you get slightly does the weather get warmer there quicker or or how does that affect what you're growing? It's just we've just constantly got a like a wind off the sea. That's it. So we have it's quite windy. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't really affect our growing too much. Um, so, uh, so we're quite lucky in that way. Just have to make sure you stake stuff up like tall brassicas and stuff, yeah, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Do you find that um, the soil is quite dry? around there because I was sort of looking at photos and um because I've been to lower soft actually and like up the coast and like the soil obviously from the sea like I didn't know if it's a bit drier or do you have to sort of mulch a lot more or not really our soil is ridiculously sandy it's uh you forget in winter because because it's so wet in winter it looks really lush and lovely and then summer comes and it is just literally like sand in your fingers so Mm. so yeah you're right we need to you know incorporate as much organic matter Mm. as we we possibly can on our site definitely i feel like i'm interrupting a little suffolk thing here because you're from suffolk as well aren't you rose yeah yeah well i'm sort of on the suffolk essex border so i never really know sort of am i yeah sorry Blake yeah no you you can join us (laughs) you can join you can join our gang (laughs) um so to get us started we'd love to hear about some of your gardening triumphs so big or small things um things you know successes that you've had on your lowest off plot well I I think probably the the biggest success is actually um turning the plot that we currently that we currently got into like in something that's productive because when we took it over, it was just this overgrown, just jungle. Yeah. Like I think, like most sites are, but they, uh, you know, this was just ridiculous. Um, we we bought a house like seconds away from from the actual allotment site that we're on, um, and it was like a hundred year old house. And I thought oh, I'd really like an allotment, but we've got time. We've got two small children, and you know, and I just thought oh, I'm just going to go for it and give it a go. And I just sent a I sent a letter to the local authority, and within a couple of weeks, I was kind of wandering around the site. So we were really, really oh, lucky in that speedy. respect. Yeah, and you know, and I do really feel for people, especially in built up areas like London and um, in cities, because they, uh, you know, the waiting list is ridiculous. You know, the, the poor people have got to wait years and years, and we were so so fortunate to be able to just basically walk onto a plot. So, uh, so yeah, and it was just because the previous the previous tenants that were on there kind of used it as a um, 
an extension of their own garden really so they planted trees and roses and bluebells and stuff so it was pretty overgrown mm-hmm. but uh but yeah I, it you know I probably needed a, a mini digger to be honest <laughs> to, to kind of clear it all off but um but we did it with hand tools and we got there you know four years later we're um we're we're growing and uh and we're really you know getting there so uh it's been a hard slog, but that's, you know, the biggest success, I think, for us, that we're actually growing on a site that was just, you know, I was getting strange looks from the other plot holders, lying face down on the soil, <laughs> digging out tree stumps with a trowel and hand fork. Wow. So, um, but yeah. That must have been quite um, intimidating almost, sort of coming at it, and it's so overgrown. Did you at any point sort of think, oh, I'm not, I, you know, I don't feel like I can do this? Or was it, were you always sort of motivated? Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, I think that, you know, you're right. It can be really daunting, especially when it's something, you know, I expected it to be, you know, my mind's eye, I thought maybe like a a small corner of a a plot. And then when I got shown around, it was just like this huge piece of land. It was like the size of a tennis doubles, like a court. And it was just, uh, it was massive and it was a bit daunting, but, um, but yeah, it's just literally, it's just been chipping away at it and it's not been overnight and it's been a lot of work, but it's, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's taking a while, but we're, we're, we're getting there we're still getting there so what do you grow on your plot what works well what doesn't well the first thing we ever grew our first crop was uh broad beans and i'm always banging on about them on instagram <laughs> um, so um but <laughs> always but we love them and uh they were the first thing we ever grew and they always did really well although unlike most people this year they've just been annihilated with with black fly oh, you know no. i was going to um, ask you about that because i know it's one of those things that you seem to grow really well so i was wondering whether you'd kind of um that had affected you as well or whether you'd managed to keep them going well no it's been ridiculous i mean it's just kind of like you're, you're firefighting with them the whole time it's just trying to keep them at bay uh, you know obviously because we we grow organically so we, we wouldn't use any pesticides or anything so um it's just trying to find other means to try and uh, you know keep the population down because I don't think you'll ever eradicate no. them but um but yeah so so it's that has been a bit of a challenge this year but the broad beans always do really well and sweet peas as well they're just the best cut flower to grow we uh we always do really well with those so um they grow fantastically well on our site they smell great too I love the smell of sweet peas they're amazing they're amazing and it's that kind of flower that you never see kind of for a cut bunch you know that you can't buy them anywhere no, so it's always really really handy to grow so I was and you know the fragrance is just it's just phenomenal so yeah lovely um I think they bring back memories of like going to my grandparents as a kid because there would always be like a tiny old jam jar of like cut sweet peas on the window still there and, and yeah you know, yeah it smells like filling the room so yeah they have nostalgic memories for me yeah they're incredible do your children love sort of getting involved because obviously you have three small children who sort of appear on your um feed quite a lot do they love coming down to the allotment they really do yeah um it's been great you know and that they're, they're the big pull really why i signed up for the allotment because i really wanted to to get them involved in growing and uh, you know i've got such great memories growing up uh, gardening with my granddad so um you know looking back at those memories is just lovely as i'm as i'm gardening and i just thought it'd be really really lovely for for them to do the same and they yeah they love it they oh. really they really love getting involved and you know the whole nature side of it the insects and the growing and and sunny was eating carrots 
yesterday afternoon on my lunch break <laughs> straight from the ground you know it's just yeah it's amazing yeah. also little helpers as well if you need some help weeding or watering you're just like go and definitely go off you go and do some water with me. <laughs> yeah, off you i'll sit yeah. down <laughs> yeah. thank you um is there anything that you find works really well for like keeping their attention or things that they enjoy more than other things when you're sort of at the allotment with them they love watering so you know and they've all got their own watering cans so um they they go off and fill up their cans and they go off watering. I mean, sometimes they're watering weeds, you know, but it's it, it doesn't matter. They're involved. Yeah. They're enjoying it. So um, that's fine. As long as they're happy and they're involved, that's okay. I think Rose and I are both super jealous of that flamingo watering can you've got and want that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would make me like always get such before. attention. Yes. <laughs> it's awesome. So I mentioned at the top of the show that we're the podcast for all abilities, um, so I'm sure it hasn't all been success stories. We've already heard about aphids, but have there been anything else, any crops that have just not gone to plan at all? I, do you know what? A few years ago, I, um, I think I must have been watching Gardeners World. Yeah. And I saw them planting um, potatoes in bales of straw. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's really good. I'm going to try that. So <laughs> my dad got me a few bales of straw and I, I read up all about it and researched it and you have to water them and you have to feed them before you plant so you have to condition them so they kind of rot down a little bit in the middle ready for the potatoes planted the potatoes three in each bale and you know I was really really excited to have them um you know neighboring plot holders were coming past him you know what, what was they doing and you know I had all this lovely green foliage poking out these bales of straw um and I I'm I split the bales up when it was time and uh there was about six tiny potatoes in each bale and it was you know they were they were like the size of the ones you get in like tinned potatoes you know you get in the shop they were like that so i opened it it was just so disappointing so uh but they were really clean they were the cleanest potatoes i've ever grown because they weren't in the soil but um, do you know what happened i have no idea i don't know whether the bales were too tight and they they couldn't um they couldn't expand or they couldn't they couldn't they couldn't grow properly so uh so yeah so i was just left with uh, a sort of handful of uh tiny potatoes and uh, a load of rotted straw for the composting (laughs) well at least uh, the compost was was a major fail Other than other than potatoes, have there been anything else? Or yeah, I mean, last year, I, what I did was I um, I hate waste. I think we're all a bit stingy as gardeners, so sort of like I try not to throw anything away, and especially um, volunteer plants as well. And um, we had loads of tomatoes that came up that popped up all around the base of where the the previous year's tomatoes had grown. So I thought I'm going to save these, and I really don't want to waste them. So I potted them up and uh, I grew them on and. Um, and I didn't have any seeds. I didn't sow any seeds, which is <laughs> stupid of me. So uh, I, I thought that these, I thought these plants were just going to be incredible. I thought free plants from last year's, grew them all, and they just didn't produce anything. So we had like just hardly any tomatoes last year at all. It was just, it was shocking. Oh, no. So uh, I've, n- I've no idea what happened. I mean, we had so many, and I made loads. I spent hours making those um, paper pots as well. You can get those little yeah. kits that you can make your own these yeah. paper pots. And so I did all that, and I planted them in those, and I was really excited and so frustrating yeah just just it's ridiculous yeah it's almost like you were sort of too excited they were like no we're not going to give you any free plants I know yeah I've had some volunteer tomato plants this year and actually they're producing quite well I'm quite are they yeah I'm like showing them off look at what I've done even though actually they just sowed themselves but um yeah I'm getting quite a few tomatoes off them oh fantastic 
So are there any um, growing shortcuts or cheeky swerves for getting really good results that you have? Things that sort of people might not know that you do that that have sort of quick results at all? Well, um, I was kind of thinking about this. And uh, the first thing that's, that sprang to mind was peas. And I've always kind of struggled with growing peas. And it's been really frustrating because I'd always considered peas to be like really because they're quite a staple vegetable and everybody grows them I thought are oh, they going to be really easy to grow and I had one good year when we had the um when we first did the plot over and I don't know if it was beginner's luck because the next few years have just been horrendous so um I was speaking to a, a fellow plot holder a guy that's um really experienced has been gardening for absolutely years and he said that just to um layer a compost tray uh, a seed tray sorry and then lay it with compost sprinkle your seeds on the top just on the surface water them and that's it and just leave them and they grow fantastically well a bit like um you would with um, microgreens when you do pea shoots so and then you just literally when they when they all come up you can just transplant them as as tiny plants into the ground and they've just ever since then it's just been amazing we've we've had great success with them and it's been really good because i shared it on um on instagram and I've had so many people contact me saying, I've re- you know, they've struggled with peas too, and they've been able to grow them for the first time. So, uh, and it's just so simple, um, but it really, really is effective, and it and it works. It works the treat. So, how long do you have to leave them before you transplant them? Usually, probably about six weeks. I mean, when they're big enough to handle. Um, I mean, we grew ours in the in the greenhouse, which probably forced them up a little bit, you know, because they were protected and they were a bit warm. But um, but yeah, as soon as they're big enough to handle, um, take them out and just plant them out like you normally would um any other kind of plant and they just uh, and they just fly once in the ground it's uh it's almost like a surefire way because i suppose when you're when you when you're uh sowing your peas normally it's kind of like hit and miss you don't know what's coming up and yeah. what's going on under the ground and this way you've got this you know you visibly can see these shoots coming up and uh and it's it's really easy it's really simple and uh but really effective. I'm going to give that a go next year. We've I've been growing with my nan um, quite a bit this year in her garden, and we've just had nightmare with our peas. They've, they've yeah. absolutely annihilated by slugs or pigeons or yeah. something. I'm not sure what. Um, yeah, and and then the few pods that we did get were just full of maggots. So I'm um, going to try again next year and hopefully get a slightly better haul. It's weird how sometimes years are really good, and then other like my I. Uh, my nangri peas and I gave her some seeds and I think there wasn't many in a packet and she was like oh I'm not gonna have barely any peas and she was giving them away so it's weird how sort of one year is really yeah. good and the next it's sort of not so definitely you know one year you can grow something I've oh, nailed it I'm absolutely I'm a pro at this yeah. the next year oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's That's so disappointing fine. as well when it goes bad yeah it really is <laughs> um so before we go I'd love to get sort of what your number one lesson or nugget of wisdom has been that you've gained along your journey of four years gardening on your allotment uh well my sort of biggest piece of advice to to new growers would be just to start small don't try and take too much on at, at once um because it's better to do like a few things really well than just kind of running around trying to tend to everything all at once mm. um i think i kind of fell into that trap as well so you just end up it feels a bit like you're you're spinning plates where you know you're, you're tending to one thing and then that's finished and then you have to run to the other side finish that one and you just never get chance to kind of sit back and enjoy it so and it can you can end up getting a bit stressed and maybe a bit deflated when things that aren't getting enough attention die or don't produce so it's kind of 
the opposite way that that garden should, gardening should make you feel. You know, it should make you nice and relaxed. And you know, so I would definitely start small and just do a few things really, really well. And is there anything that you would recommend as being those things that you start off with? Um, right at the start I think maybe things that don't need too much tending to or um, you know once they're growing um, beetroot's great mm. um, because it's a, it's a real you know put it in and leave it um, broad beans to a certain extent are really good you know they get on they're really hardy um, but they do need maybe a little bit of staking you know with a um, with your bamboo canes afterwards but just stuff that's kind of really low maintenance um, you know uh, lettuces things like that that you can uh, sit back and kind of enjoy and, and also strawberries are fantastic as well strawberries are really really good and uh, and they're great for kids as well kids love to have their own plants tend to them and then of course obviously you know they get to uh, to eat their the fruits of their Always labor awesome. with, so. <laughs> i was actually just gonna say do you grow any fruits at all on your plot or is it mainly just strawberries that you grow uh, we grow well we had um strawberries are kind of a must every year and we also have um i was actually given some uh, red currant and black currant uh bushes oh. from uh, a neighbor um he didn't i had to go and dig them up on his plot and <laughs> transfer them across rooms so it looked like i was stealing these plants I was like, like, I'm not. Permission. i've got permission this <laughs> <Yeah>. is <laughs> really brazenly digging up stuff but yeah um and they and the kids absolutely love those um because they make such brilliant ice cream as well i was gonna so, say um, I thought i've seen that you make ice cream with them yeah, is that easy fantastic. to do or? I, I would love to take the credit but my other half is the cook <laughs> so uh we grow it and then it comes home and then she just yeah she makes it. I mean, it looks relatively easy, <laughs> yeah. but it tastes incredible. It's really good. So, um, but yeah, so they're the other fruits we kind of grow at the moment. So, uh, and actually, Sunny and I were eating the black currants yesterday, um, which were a bit sour, but um, but he kept picking them. So, it's great actually that you grow red currants and white currants because I think I feel like they're quite understated crops. Not many people grow red currants and white currants or know what they are really. Yeah, I think so. I think, but they're such like a a great fruit to grow, and I think they're pretty um. A low maintenance so it's great it's good to hear that other people are using them they really are they're really low maintenance and also you know I think maybe sometimes people grow things um or they don't grow things because they don't really know what to do with them afterwards yeah. so um so I think that's maybe part of it as well but yeah. but yeah you know it, it's something I think that's that's really important as well just to to say that you know grow what you enjoy you know rather than you know we went through a phase of I was growing things that I thought I had to kind of because everyone was doing it yeah um like run, runner beans um I was growing them and I was picking them but we just didn't eat them you know so I was like why am I doing this in the end I was just growing them for the flowers because the flowers are incredible but you know <laughs> so we just in the end just like this is just silly so uh so yeah, yeah. so just grow what you what you like to eat what you like to enjoy you've had a lot of success I've, I've seen from with your leeks haven't you? you just seem to be growing leeks like all year round yeah I, my ones are looking a bit sorry at the moment but I don't know whether you've got any ideas for how I can make them bulk up a bit well the biggest tip um again of another gardener was to um I think the official term is puddling in but what you do is I mean we use the technical uh tool um to plant ours out which is the uh, the handle of our hoe Ooh. um and we just literally poke it into the ground so you make a, a like a broom use your broom handle or hoe handle make a hole in the ground and just drop your seedlings in and then just leave them, just water that hole. So the soil gradually just falls in around them. And then so then the, the leak can swell. It's not restricted. It's kind of like it feels a bit odd to 
to not firm something in because yeah. it's kind of like in our, in our makeup, like our DNA to kind of like everything's got to be firmed in really tough. And, and, but, but yeah, leaks are different. So they want to, they want to swell. So you need to leave them in the hole and the, and the water will, uh, the, the water will make the soil gradually fall into the hole and they will fill in, but uh, it just, it just leaves it nice and loose around the leak and it can swell really nicely. And uh, you should get a really nice crop of leeks that you can just stay in the ground until you need them. Sort of, you can use them as and when, and they can, and they're really, really hardy as well. So they can stay in the ground in the in the frost, in the snow. So, so yeah, they're a, they're a great crop. I'm going to give that a go next year because this year I stupidly put like sowed them into trays and then tried to transplant these like fiddly little things into the ground. Which, <laughs> yeah, I'm surpri- surprised they've survived at all. But that sounds like a much better plan of attack for next year. Yeah, just wait until you're. I mean, sowing them in the seed trays is fantastic. I mean, that's what we do uh, on our plot. But um, when they're, it feels a bit odd because it feels like they're just like the size of a blade of grass when you drop them in. But um, but yeah, give it a go. Have another go at it. I will do. Well, thanks so much for coming on. It's been lovely speaking to you. Um, Rose, I think we should get our news stories ready for the team chat. Yes, I think so too. And um, it's been lovely talking to you from um, Lower Stuff. So thanks so much for coming on. You're more than welcome. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great. So we're continuing on the Suffolk theme because from his house in Suffolk where we've got the return of Dan our account manager hi Dan hello thank you for having me back so exciting round two not only is it round two but my plants are looking a lot better now so I can talk with more knowledge which is great the last time you were on here was um ages ago wasn't it it must have been like near the start of the year yeah there has been a long time and if you could see the difference between my courgette plants compared to seeds you know it's been a long time (laughs) that is what tends to happen um so we'll crack straight on because i've seen a story in the on the bbc um and the headline is seized cannabis kits donated to south yorkshire community gardens uh and as the headline says essentially the police managed to seize um a bunch of gardening equipment like soil and pots and fertilizer from this cannabis farm. And instead of just taking it and chucking it like in landfill, they've actually donated it to a local community gardening group and they're going to be using it to grow food for the local food bank. So I thought that was quite nice. Can I just check something? So when you say kit, do you mean as in like the the pots and the tools as opposed to um, the actual plant itself <laughs> yeah they haven't donated the plants so right know okay i just wanted to um to just clarify that i thought but i thought that wouldn't be the case but um yeah there's a picture on this article and it's like loads of pots are piled up canes yeah like fertilizer all the different things that you might need for gardening and instead of just chucking them away right. they've actually they're getting a second yeah. use out of them which why not exactly. i mean it's, it's it's good um and people can make use of it as well. It's so important right now. Everyone's trying to be growing and getting the most out. And by the sounds of it, that would have been quite high quality growing material they'd be using as well. <laughs> yeah, it's probably quite a lot of money's worth of kit there, isn't there? I need to stop saying kit. <laughs> going to keep confusing Rose. Um, yeah, so PC Stewart said, we've donated the equipment to some great people in the Hoyland area of Barnsley who run a fantastic community garden. It's a place that is so well loved by local people and run entirely by volunteers. So yeah, so it's 
just a good second use of the thing. But actually why this I'm bringing this to the team chat this week is because it reminded me of a story that I read last year. And I think this might be the best thing I've ever read since I started working on Grow Your Own, um, which was when Anne Swithenbank uh, in her question time expert column in a magazine answered somebody's query about a plant that had cropped up in their garden and they didn't know what it was and uh, long story short she had to tell them that they did actually have an illegal cannabis plant growing in their garden um and every time I think about this it just makes me laugh because the question was can you identify this mystery plant from my garden and I'm sure it was completely innocent yeah but the fact that they'd written in to us and Swithin Bank what it was, and then she just had to be like, don't put it on your bonfire and burn it because that isn't a good idea. It's like lovely Anne Swithin Bank, he's so sweet and everything. Yeah, and it's exactly. like <laughs> having to tell someone what the plant actually is. She, she said it is, of course, illegal to grow and probably germinated from bird seed. I'm just impressed she knew what it was straight away. I mean, did she also ask for their address so she could make sure exactly what it was for them? <laughs> <laughs> she's an expert Dan to be fair everything. sounds like she is <laughs> so what have you yeah, got was a good moment. for us Rose um well I want to talk about gardening gimmicks and um we all have a gimmick and I was inspired by James Wong's article in the Guardian where he sort of talks about all of these gardening gimmicks and he does touch on the fact that he also loves a gimmick which is if you don't know, I'm sure everyone knows what a gimmick is, but it's like a trick or a device that's sort of intended to sell you something that you might not actually want or need, but you'd like the look of it and, it, and you want it, but pretty much. And um, so he sort of goes into detail about a few gimmicks and he says actually, and um, one of the things that he thinks kind of the worst gimmick, and I don't want to like sort of step on any toes because some people swear by these and love them. And that's the good thing about a gimmick. It's not for everyone, but for some people, they love it and it's actually the potato tomato plant which is like um something a plant that has tomatoes and potatoes and the potatoes grow in the soil obviously as they do and the tomatoes grow on the branches um and he says that obviously it's a gimmick that might not actually work anyway and then he goes into detail about other gimmicks like things that are sort of spray painted to look a color that they're not actually in seed catalogs and trees that have a ridiculous amount of fruit on them which we look at and we think cool I want that I'm gonna grow that and then it arrives and you're like hmm it's not what the picture looks <laughs> like so um, I think I'm I'm with him on that second thing about photoshopping things to look that's like just like wrong yeah <laughs> like yeah I think I would look at something and be like obviously this isn't the amount of fruit you're going to get on this really yeah. tiny plant but maybe some people would so yeah. that's perhaps not okay but I like the idea of gimmicks every now and again like that Tom Tato plant is kind of cool and you don't grow it I don't think you get it and you think oh this is good because this will give me everything I need potato no. and tomato wise for the whole year like you get it because it's novel and you want to show it off or talk to people about it or just like give it a go because it's fun yeah exactly so. look I'm I'm a bit of an expert in gimmicks I mean when I was growing <laughs> up um in the 90s I absolutely loved Pokemon cards oh, I loved yeah. Pogs yo-yos I mean there was a chance where I would just be looking at people's different yo-yos in the <laughs> playground like I've got two clutches well I've got four my point is, Too I what? love a gimmick. 
clutches. So in a yo-yo, you can have clutches, which means that you can spin them for longer. Oh. There you go. Fun fact for everyone. But um, <laughs> for me, gimmicks are great. They're great talking points. People love them, as you said, Blake. And I've looked at growing the Tom Tato before. And also the other one, which I believe is called the egg and chips. So that's aubergines and potatoes as well. You've oh, got yeah, a small garden. Although I think yeah, that's kind of cheating because we don't call them eggplants. We call them aubergines. <laughs> so that's yep. a little bit cheating. Like if it grew you actually You say aubergines, eggs. but I say aubergines. So yeah, okay. I've a... had a million arguments with people about this. I say aubergine and I think it's it's an aubergine, but then people shout at me and say it's an aubergine. And then I never know what's correct. So also, can I just say I could never do a yo-yo. I own like three yo-yos and I've never got them to go up and down again. And I tried them like a million times. So oh. Dan, you, you win in the yo-yo. Uh, I, could, I, I could walk the dog back in the day um, and then afterwards oh. I'd play yo-yo. But, you know, we're getting there. We're getting there. It's, <laughs> it, it's, it's Are just you talking yo-yo talk right now? I'm not really sure yes. what's going on. Yeah, walking the dog. <laughs> Look it up, everyone, um, on a search engine. <laughs> it's a great yo-yo trick. But it, the gimmicks are great fun. I love them. And I'd argue, like, if you get a new, special, beautiful coloured flower, that that's a technically a gimmick as well, surely? Just different colours? I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's fun to grow and to say to people, look what I've grown. Can you grow a plant that has tomatoes and potatoes on at the same time? Why not? Yeah. Although James does make a point that sometimes to obviously get to the potatoes, you have to dig the plant up, which might mean that the tomatoes have to be harvested before they're ripe or something so i think there are some like uh, yeah. worries around that <laughs> some but drawbacks yeah that's a, it's like that's a slight drawback but i've seen photos of it being like successful and like having really nice ripe tomatoes and giant potatoes so it must work like for some people so you can ripen off the vine as well sometimes yeah just put them in a brown bag with a banana and hopefully they'll come on afterwards maybe but (laughs) yeah i'd be keen to hear whether anybody's um grown the tomato and how they found it and whether they would do it again actually so if you have get in touch with us and let us know correct me if i'm wrong as well when you normally grow potatoes aren't you meant to wait until the foliage starts to die back anyway before you harvest them if you want to get the biggest possible potatoes that is true yeah is. i'm not really sure i need to do some more tom tato research about how <laughs> it works so but yeah technically that's true so i mean i don't know maybe it's different because the, because it's got t- tomato leaves and it's not the foliage of an actual potato which is why they don't die back the same way or something um but i'm not too sure um Another thing that is quite good with gimmicky novelty things like this is that it's quite fun for young people. You yeah. know, like if you want to get your kids out gardening, then a good way to do it is to be like, look at this cool novel thing, you know. Um, so I think it's got a multitude of benefits as well as some drawbacks. Yeah, definitely. And like, there's um, squashes you can buy that have stripes on them. So when they grow, they look like snakes and then you can get your children to paint faces on them so that's a gimmick at the same time and it will still taste delicious what i like to do with my daughter who's three and a half is we grow raspberries um we don't grow grapes maybe we should if the climate was a bit warmer but if if you get a grape and you get a raspberry uh, yeah and you put the top of the raspberry on the grape and you balance it in a certain way and draw a face on it, it looks like the raspberries, their hair or a little helmet. <laughs> That's a fun activity for three-year-olds. <laughs> That's do you a do really this good for, tip. 
<laughs> do you do this for yourself, Dan, really? Is that the truth? Well, yeah, because, you know, if you've got youngsters, you have to cut up the grapes afterwards. But if you do it for adults, they can stay like that for ages. It's amazing. <laughs> that, see, that, that's fun as well. There's lots of things you can do like that. Yeah, that is very true. Also, um, although we used to grow grapes, actually, talking of growing grapes, and we found them to be an absolute nightmare because we used to have them growing on a trellis above our patio and they just used to drop all over the floor and it used to be like a squishy grape mess everywhere. So um, if anyone else has that problem, I don't know if I want you to let me know or or let me know, I'm not sure. <laughs> just saying I had that problem when we grew grapes. So, so you had wine on the floor? That's what it sounds yeah. like happened. <laughs> no, they didn't make wine. They just sort of dropped on the floor and then like they got all squishy. I think there must have been a better way of growing them, but they do look lovely. Like grape trellises look lovely. Do you know, we're talking about lovely things right now. Well, I've come across a story in the Metro, which is literally about the exact opposite, but I know we're going to have disagreements on this and it's important we talk about it. So um, this story is all about the UK's most hated vegetables. So a new survey by Higgity asked 2,000 adults about their least favourite veg. Um, and some of the items on this list, I mean, they shouldn't be on there in my opinion. Butternut squash is lovely. That's on the list. Celeriac, a bit different, but you can do so much on it as well. It's great. Button mushrooms. I'm not pleased with that either. I mean, <laughs> guys, what's what's your least favourite veg to eat? What, what what do you what do you hate? I don't think there's a single vegetable I wouldn't eat. So I'm just going to throw that out there. You must have some that are more favourite than others, though. Surely, I definitely have some favourites. Squash is a good one. I'm surprised that that's on there because I think. It's just tasty and filling and you can use it in so many different ways. So I'm quite surprised by that. Number seven on this list of Britain's yeah, least favourite yeah. veg. It's crazy wow. with 10% of the vote. I know. What, what about yourself, Rose? What's your least favourite um, vegetable to eat? Again, I'm similar to Blake. I'm not fussy and I've never been fussy. I love vegetables and I will eat most vegetables and love them. Like I love broccoli. I have broccoli like every day because I just love broccoli so much. So I was mad that that was on there. Um, I think the only thing is celery. Like, I really don't like celery. And I know some people love it, but I just think it tastes like straw. I don't understand, like, why people want to use it as a dip for dipping. I just, I don't get it. I just think it's horrible. Um, so if there was one thing, it would be celery. I had forgotten that celery existed for a moment then. But now you've <laughs> said that, I wouldn't choose to eat celery. I would probably have it if it's it was there. Awful. What are you guys doing with celery? Awful. Like, what sort of straw are you eating as well, Rose? Celery's really peppery. <laughs> it's it's really peppery. Well, I didn't know straw was peppery. I just imagine that's how straw would taste. It just tastes, honestly, but everyone in my house hates it. So I feel like maybe it's a, a family trait. We all hate celery. Do you? Maybe if it's like really mushy and bolognese, I can't taste it. That's what I was going to say. Do, do you like any sort of Italian stews or ragouts <laughs> or sauces or f Italian food? Yeah. And I know you're going to say that celery's in that, but I can't taste it in it. So maybe well, it's just a it. good... So celery, mm. onions and carrots diced up into tiny bits and fried off is pretty much Italian cuisine. Um, I am <laughs> waiting for people to tell me I'm wrong, but that, that's the start of most of those dishes. Celery is lovely if you're using it the right way. Although okay. I do think it's crazy when you see people put peanut butter on it. I don't, oh, I don't get that. What yeah. is, they're called like 
boats, don't people call them? And then they put raisins on them as well. And they're called like ants on a log or that's like a snack or something. And I'm not about that. But no. Well, I call that wrong. (laughs) That's what I call that. I just call that wrong. What came out on top of the list, Dan? So, um, again, I'm not really happy with this, but I suppose it's very British of us. Number one on the list is Brussels sprouts with 19% of the vote. That is (gasps) Britain's least favourite veg. Guys, people aren't cooking it right. They can't be cooking it right. Brussels sprouts roasted are a glorious thing. You can't have them mushy. You need to cook them al dente. So, like, when you cut into it, it's got a little crunch because if you're doing it all mushy, you're not going to like them. I've done a bit of a 360 on Brussels sprouts because I wasn't really a fan, but now can't get enough of them. Do you know what? I love them fried off, fried off with some peanuts. I'm telling you, it'll change your life. They're really good in pasta as well. If you do like, if you um, pan fry some Brussels sprouts in a pan and then do like spaghetti and do like a white wine sauce or linguine, it's so good. So that's another option. For me, the most disappointing thing about this list is why... Why aren't cucumbers on this list? Because cucumbers are the worst vegetable ever created. They are awful, awful things. They taste like if you've got a glass of water, filled it up, nicely chilled and everything, then put it on the side of the room and left it there for a week and a half and then accidentally picked up that glass and drank it. That's what it tastes like. And I do not need it near me or in and around my food or mouth. No. There's some very strong opinions flying around right now. Yeah, I just I I am very passionate. If you grow (laughs) celery and cucumber and you love it, then that's great. And go for that and you do you because I feel I we've done some we've yeah, dragged them through the mud and we shouldn't have done that. Do you know what? I'm very proud of you all for being able to grow it. Just don't try and make me eat it. That's how I feel about it. Well done, because I couldn't grow it. Maybe that's why I hate them so much. Right, on that note of positivity, (laughs) um, (laughs) I feel like, Dan, we've got an advert to record and then, Rose, you'll be back in a bit with Jobs on the Pot, won't you? Yes, I will. It's been great chatting. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me on again, guys. It's been great. I've loved it. So at the top of the show, I said that our sponsors are Beer 52 and that we've got an offer for you to get eight craft beers for free and all you have to do is cover the postage so i think we should tell everyone a bit more about that dan it's amazing so 5.95 that's it just covers the cost of postage and you'll get eight free beers delivered to your door and you can get it yourself just go to beer52.com dirt that's beer52.com d-i-r-t and you can get your beer just like me I love that sound. Um, So each case will be delivered direct to your doorstep, so you don't even need to leave the house, um, which is great, really. I mean, getting it straight to your door. Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members that they send a brand new case to every month. Uh, So you don't know what you're going to get, but that kind of is quite nice because it takes the the kind of decision-making process out of things and you can just have somebody choose delicious beers for you. There's also loads of different themes and each month does have a theme. For example, past themes have been New Zealand, South Africa, Korea, and beers from all over the USA and Europe. So if you are into sensational stouts, if you're into incredible IPAs or hoppy hoppy beer, (laughs) there's always something for you. It's fantastic. And when the weather's nice, why not enjoy one in the garden? What are you drinking there, Dan? So right here, I've actually got an IP 
IPA, which is slightly kind of pineapple-y um, in Ooh. taste, and I absolutely love it. I love a little bit of a fruit toast on a beer. Uh, what's your favourite type of beer? Um, I like IPAs. Oh, there you go. Well, you know, you can be getting those as part of this package. It's just $5.95 for postage. And as I said, you can go to beer52.com slash dirt to get your hands on your own pack. That's eight beers. I'm not going to lie, Dan. Since I got my crate through, I've been gradually working through and it's just been really nice each evening being like, oh, I'm just going to have one now and not just sort of like lucky dip, putting my hand in the box and pulling one out. It introduces you to it. so many different types of beer that you never would have tried before. And the quality is so high, you know that you can go off and get them regularly if you love them. But it's that discovery, which I think is lost by just going to a supermarket. These are created for you and sent straight to your door. So just a reminder, all you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash dirt. So that's beer52.com forward slash D-I-R-T to get your first case of eight beers for just the $5.95 postage. So go do that now and we'll head back over to Rose, who's got some jobs on the plot for you this week. We might be nearing the end of the month, but that doesn't mean our fruit and vegetable harvests are stopping anytime soon. The harvest season is still underway, so keep on picking, watering, weeding, and of course, eating all of your homegrown produce. You can still sow lots of crops this month too. So beetroot, carrot, Florence fennel, French beans, coal rabbi, and much, much more. You're also likely to be harvesting carrots, courgettes, radish, and lots of fruits, including blueberries, cherries, and gooseberries. You will also need to hand pollinate indoor melon flowers this month. To do this, simply remove a male bloom from the plant, fold back the petals and press gently into the centre of the female flower. You will be able to tell the difference between the male and female flowers by remembering that females will have a small fruitlet forming and males won't. Remember to pinch out the growing tips of climbing beans once they have reached the top of their supports. This will help to encourage a heavier crop by allowing the plant to direct all of its energy into the beans themselves. Now, hearty winter stews might feel like a long way off at the moment, but it's well worth thinking ahead and sowing some turnips for use in the later months. Start to harvest summer squashes this month, which includes yellow crookneck, yellow straightneck and scallop. Summer squash should be picked when still small as this is when the fruits are at their most tender. You should be able to twist off the squash off the vine, but where this is proving difficult, scissors can also help. Make sure to watch out for powdery mildew this month as it can wreak havoc on lots of edible plants including apple trees, courgettes, cucumbers and peas. You might see white powdery patches of fungus on the leaves, flowers and fruit. To reduce the risk of any future plants catching the disease, check seed catalogues as some companies sell powdery mildew resistant cultivars. You can also adopt non-chemical controls such as destroying fallen infected leaves in autumn which can reduce the amount of emerging infectious spores the next spring. Keep your undercover space nice and tidy and clean up any fallen foliage in order to diminish the spread of disease. A tidier undercover space will also mean there's less tidying and cleaning up to do when the annual autumn clear-up comes around. You can also try using sticky traps to catch flying pests and damp down the greenhouse when temperatures rise. We hope you have a lovely end to the month in the garden and from all of us here, happy growing. Thanks again for listening to The Dirt and don't forget to subscribe for free to make sure you never miss an episode.
We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell all of your lovely garden and allotment neighbours. Plus, as a special treat, we've got an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer just for the dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash gpod7, that's G-P-O-D and the number 7, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote gpod7 to receive seven issues of our magazine Grow Your Own straight to your door for just $29.99. That's $11.94 off. Every issue is edited by me and the team and is packed with gardening advice and jobs to tick off your list and a big bonus. Each magazine comes with a selection of free seeds so you can get growing straight away. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And a final exciting note, do you or someone you know have great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets or funny plot disasters? You could be our next podcast guest. Email the dirt at growfruitandveg.co.uk to let us know.